if we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? Fall is upon us, and we're back into the normal routines that we're used to, and let one of those normal routines be your health and wellness. Who better to help you with that than Angie Niska with Rise Nutrition? You can reach out to her on Facebook at Rise Menominee, and she'll get you started accomplishing all of your health and wellness goals. Again, that's Angie Niska with Rise Nutrition. Hey friends, I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Great to be with you today. And the reason it's great is because yesterday was World Gratitude Day. So it makes sense to me that on this episode, we should have a gratitude expert. So today we have Jeff Teresi. So like you, Matt, my passion is actually creating creative content. And I love helping people break through to their next big breakthrough. And what that means is leveling up in life not only professionally, but also personally. And Jeff, it's, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. As I was sharing before we hit the record button, what you stand for is really what I want this show to stand for. Because at the end of the day, so many of us have deconstructed our faith or maybe are in that process of deconstructing our faith. And then that seems to lead to this space where we're just deconstructing our whole life altogether. And at some point, we have to turn that around. At some point, we have to decide, well, what is it that we stand for? What type, as my counselor would say, what type of person do you want to be in the next six months? Like if you were to describe that, who is that going to be? And that's a great challenge because I found myself over the last decade or so getting to some spaces that felt a lot darker than who I believe I truly am. And so I love that you write about things like gratitude and love and leveling up and and becoming better at whoever you are. And so that's why I was so excited when you reached out to, to be a part of this show. So share a little bit professionally what it is that you do and what you've done over the past number of years. So I actually have a background in sales and I started off as a telemarketer from 14 to 18 years old which I got really good at hearing the word no. And after that, I transitioned into Cutco Cutlery. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that before, but it's the highest quality kitchen cutlery in the world. And essentially, it completely paid for my college. And when I graduated, I started actually specializing in those closing gifts for realtors and mortgage lenders. And I was uh, relatively successful enough to be able to have enough clients to be able to work 10 hours a week on that, to be able to support my passion, which is creating the creative content 
And when I would go to the offices, essentially what we do is we take the Cutco product and engrave it with their logo name and sell. They give it as a housewarming gift and they have it for literally the rest of their lives. And so I am extremely grateful for having that opportunity and all the loyal clients that I have. But in doing so, when I go to the offices, they want me to come in and not give just another sales presentation. They want me to actually add value to the agents in another way. And so they want me to create a motivational talk. And so the first one I came up with is the top 10 tips to be top 10 in the nation. And it went over so well that I gave the talk to everyone in Minnesota. They wanted me to come up with another talk. And so I created the seven key abilities to succeed seven days a week, which was also so well received that it was the catalyst for the book I wrote, The Seven Key Abilities, How to Succeed Seven Days a Week. I forget that you're a Midwest guy like I am, even though now you live in California, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I can every once in a while, I can hear it in your voice and it feels like home. So thank you for, for bringing <laughs> a little bit of that Minnesota accent to us today. So you're a sales guy through and through, which I love. I have cutlery that's lasted most of my life. The only problem, Jeff, is that it doesn't cut anything anymore. So it, it's still in the cutting block, but when I use it, it doesn't work very well. So what a fascinating way to, to get to where you are. And I think that's such an important thing to note too, that sometimes we we get to the places that we are somehow, some way, we don't always start where we want to end up. And often it's this long journey to get to where we want to be. And we could look at that professionally, but we also could look at that in the scope of personally, who we want to be as a human being. And I think whether we're talking about faith or just how we operate in the world, there's certain things that we should put at the forefront that should define the way that we move forward. And for me, I know I talk a lot about love. I talk a lot about wholeness, not only for myself, but people around me and hoping that the way I respond in this world brings that about in other people as well. And one of the things that you talk a lot about is something that matters a great deal to me, which is gratitude. Now, gratitude in the world today is it's like a diamond because this world is is you know, in so many ways, we hear so much negativity day in and day out. I choose not to really read or watch much of the news anymore because it, it, it just gets me so down. But if we live this life of gratitude, and if we let that be at the forefront of everything that we do, I mean, it's kind of like the, the phrase in your book, the, the seven key abilities. I think the tagline, correct me if I get this wrong, but it's how to succeed seven days a week, right? So it's not just how to succeed, how to get to this certain place, but it's how to succeed in the day in and the day out. So when you talk about gratitude, tell us a little bit more specifically what you mean, because we could define that in a, a lot of different ways. Yeah, I could spend over an hour talking about gratitude. So I'm going to try to pare it down and basically hopefully take us in a trajectory where we can show how gratitude actually leads to love. And when it comes to gratitude, a lot of people don't know this, but besides being the healthiest human emotion, it's also the most attractive trait, which means people gravitate towards grateful people. So when it comes to sales or marketing or leadership or being a parent or a friend or just a human being, if you want to be great, begin by being grateful. See, I'm not proud to say this, but I was not always a grateful person. In fact, my first memory of ever truly feeling grateful wasn't until I was 15. 
See, at the time, my two brothers and I could no longer live with our parents. My dad had to choose between us and his drug addictions. He chose his drug addictions. My mom had to choose between us and her boyfriend. She chose her boyfriend. But my grandparents welcomed us into their home with open arms. And I remember feeling so grateful because I knew they didn't have to let us live with them, but they did anyway. They chose us. And for the first time, I chose gratitude. Jeff, talk us through a little bit because you know some of the greatest people in this world are the people that do great things are people that have overcome really difficult circumstances. And I think of you, I think of your wife. I mean, both of you knowing a little bit of both of your stories are just these incredible examples of people that have taken difficult situations and built an incredible life in spite of those hardships. And then you've used those things to mold yourself into the person that you desire to be. And honestly, to teach other people how to do that as well. A lot of people, if they would have went through your situation, especially as a teenager, it would have been really easy to not be grateful in that situation because it would have been really easy to key in on the loss as opposed to the gain. So you lost in so many ways, both of your parents, and they chose something other than their child. I mean, you gained so much through your grandparents, but what was that decision and how did that decision come where you were actually, as a 15-year-old, able to see that as a space of gratitude as opposed to a space that you could have just turned the complete opposite direction? I would have to say a lot of that was completely luck because I could have gone a completely different direction. There were some times I did go into experimenting with drugs and alcohol I actually hated the experience. And so I'm extremely grateful for that as well. But I just think that the circumstances, the way that they ended up, they did, I was able to come out on top. And again, it's not just me choosing it. Now, looking back on it, I'm able to help so many other people by going over how to choose gratitude. Because at that time, I just saw the alternative of being a situation that had zero structure. And just a side note, I'm actually on the autism spectrum. And so I work well with a plan in place, structure, systems, rules, and routine. And so when I moved in with my grandparents, that was the first time in my life I actually experienced true structure. Oh, that's fascinating. So there's absolutely a blessing in disguise that happened there, right? Because you were growing up in an environment up to this point, up to when you were around 15, you were growing up in this environment that lacked structure. And whether you knew it or not, that was something that you desperately needed based on who you are. And then that led to going to your grandparents who gave you ultimately what it was that you needed to succeed in life, which then, you know, spiraled forward right into your professional life and your personal life with your family and everything. That's, that's amazing. And I mean, don't you find it to be the case, Jeff, that sometimes that's what it is, is just realizing a bit of the blessing in the hardship that can help that gratitude move forward. Absolutely. And I think it's helpful to recognize that gratitude is a choice. See, the sad truth is most people don't choose gratitude most of the time because they are never taught that they could. Most of us grow up learning by example, and gratitude is something that's rarely seen. Instead, what's most often shown is fear, discontent, and entitlement. So it makes sense that we worry, we complain, and we appreciate almost nothing. And so the key to cultivating a thankful heart is to recognize that gratitude is a choice. And when you choose it often enough, that's when you begin to experience some of its many benefits. 
Um, for example, I don't know if you know this, but gratitude dissolves discontent. It extinguishes entitlement and it furnishes freedom from fear. And mm. so when we know that gratitude is a choice, the next thing we have to know is what does it look like to actually choose gratitude? And one of the things I found that's extremely helpful for me is using an acronym I created. And so I'd like to share with your viewers uh, three ways that you can choose gratitude at any given moment. And it's looking at the past, the future, and the present. The acronym is R, A-R-E, because at any given moment, you either are grateful or you're not. So the A stands for appreciate, the R stands for receive, and the E stands for embrace. So when looking at the past, gratitude appreciates what it's been given. It recognizes, man, I've been given many gifts. And when looking at the future, gratitude thankfully receives what is to come, both the good and the bad. And when it comes to the bad, it recognizes that trials and tribulations are both temporary and teachable moments. And when looking at the present, gratitude embraces the now. It recognizes this moment is a gift. Matt, this moment with you right now is a gift. And one of the absolute best ways to embrace the now is to consciously appreciate each of your senses. And if it's all right with you, I'd actually like to share a poem I wrote that's designed to help people with that. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah, because Jeff is a poet as well, you should know. So we cannot skip poetry in this interview at all. No, we definitely <laughs> need to do this. All right. And so as long as you're not driving a car or operating heavy machinery, I'd like you to just go ahead and close your eyes so you can relax and just listen to the words. The poem's titled, Coming to Your Senses. Have you ever really wondered how fortunate you are? Have you ever thought your blessings could outnumber the stars? First, imagine if you suddenly lost your sense of sight. Would you miss seeing the differences between day and night? Now imagine if you lost the ability to hear. As silence whispers in both ears, could you still persevere? Now imagine if you suddenly lost your sense of smell. Could you bid the sweet sense of flowers and fresh air farewell? Now imagine if you lost the ability to taste. What joy could come from eating if all flavors were erased? Now imagine if you suddenly lost your sense of touch. Does just the thought of such a loss make you feel very much? While each sense is sensational, there's only one you need. It's a sense to give thanks, the sense from which all gifts proceed. You can open your eyes. Open your eyes and begin to recognize that each of your senses is a reminder of the countless gifts you can be grateful for if you choose to. I love that. Thank you so much. Jeff, you're just one of these guys that I tell you, like I could be around you for all the time. <laughs> I just would love to just hang out with you all the time because we do, we live in this culture that is so, so focused on the negative. And I even think like our culture tends to glorify the negative and kind of glorifies an angsty spirit, if anything, and in this, in this deconstruction faith space, even more so. So I just appreciate kind of the light that you bring to this show and that you're bringing to this show today. So you said that gratitude can lead us toward love. And spiritually speaking, Jesus tells us that all commands hang on to, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we want to get to a space of love in our life, 
you're arguing, correct me if I'm wrong, that gratitude is at least one of the ways to get there. So take us from gratitude to love. How do we get there? I'd love to. Thank you for asking. (laughs) So gratitude is, I believe, the foundation of a flourishing faith. More than just thinking thankful thoughts, it's greeting God's goodness. It's what allows and empowers you to love without limit. Because you can't love something without ascribing worth to it. And with gratitude, you're able to recognize and appreciate everyone's intrinsic and infinite unsurpassable worth. Have you ever researched the science of gratitude, by the way? A bit I have, but if you want to enlighten us a little more, that would be fascinating. Well, yeah, I find it fascinating. It actually makes a whole lot more sense why in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're told to give thanks in all circumstances and why in Ephesians 5.20, to be grateful always, and why in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, to not worry about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Not only that, but we're told over and over and over again to not fear, to not be afraid. And so how do we do that? By choosing gratitude. It's actually scientifically proven that fear and gratitude are mutually exclusive, meaning you cannot experience fear and gratitude at the same time. And so, as I said earlier, when you choose gratitude, you're furnishing freedom from that fear. For somebody who's really struggling, because it's in some ways, you know, we can listen to you, Jeff, and you're, you're like I said, you're such a light, you're such a beaming human, you know, you're this, this person that I, I would imagine a lot of people love to be around. But then there's, there's this space that, that sometimes I find myself in when I would hear somebody say, well, you just have to choose gratitude. Well, that's all good and fine. But when I wake up and I'm in one of those dark places, or when I'm really struggling because of whatever racism, sexual abuse in our culture and in our churches, the idea of just simply choosing gratitude, not only sometimes does it feel almost too simplistic, but it also feels really elusive. So when I, who I love gratitude, I like to be a positive human being, but when I'm having one of my days when I I can't find that space, what would your recommendation be for a person like myself or a person who's walked away from church and is struggling to find God in the midst of all the challenges in this world? When we're in some of those dark places, how is it then that we actually choose gratitude or choose love for that matter? That's a fantastic question. I think for anything, if a structure is going to stand, it has to have that really firm foundation. And you were talking about being in a dark place. That's actually a perfect transition into me letting you know that I haven't had a ton of God moments in my life. And I'm always a little bit leery when someone says they heard God say something to them. But a few years back, I was in a pretty dark place and I asked God, what's it all for? And I waited a while and I heard for you to love, to grow, to be loved, and to just be. It was incredibly comforting to me. And since then, that's a basis for the things I choose to do, is helping me to love, to grow, to be loved, or to just be. And in the end, we all want to live a fulfilling life. And what's more fulfilling than living out our purpose to grow closer to God and help others to do the same, to grow in love. 
as you say so often on your podcast. It reminds me of my, my good friend, Scott Jenkins. He's the creative director for an organization called Celtic Way. He'll repeatedly say, we're not here to be human doings. We're here to be human beings. You talk about something, I believe you call it breathability. Is that right? Uh Uh-huh. Tell us a little bit about what you mean, because I think for my own personal life, one of the best things I can do for myself to promote gratitude, to promote love in my life is to find some space and to find some breathability in each and every day, because otherwise I just run into my day and then I'm, I'm reacting to everything that comes at me, as opposed to when I take that space to breathe and I take that space to reflect, it will in so many ways define the way that I walk into that day. So tell us what you mean when you say breathability. Yeah. Breathability is basically being able to cultivate an inviting environment. In other words, it's being able to create space to be able to count each breath as significant, knowing that each breath has the power to break through and break down barriers. So you take just one breath to muster up the courage to get out of bed in the morning. And it takes just one breath to make that very important phone call. And it takes just one breath to take that leap of faith and positively alter the course of your future forever. See, if we're honest, I think most of the time we focus on matters that don't actually matter. And when we waste time focusing on stuff that doesn't matter, guess where it gets us? Nowhere. Coincidentally, when given space to stretch out and breathe, nowhere becomes now here. Affectionately referring to the here and the now. See, this is where you want to be intentionally immersed in the moment. Yeah. You know, there's so much about faith and about the Bible and about God that's utterly confusing. And, you know, it's not about figuring God out. It's about just trying to follow Jesus and and emulate the way he lived his life. And when I read about Jesus, the sense that I get from him more than anything else, I would say is that he was able to live in the moment. He would be on his way somewhere. Take the the story when he encounters the woman who's who's bleeding. He was on his way to heal somebody and then he stopped what he was doing to meet the need that was right in front of him. And that story specifically always really speaks to me because so often in our culture we're moving so fast all the time that we miss out on these these breathable moments, these moments when we could stop, take a breath and make a huge difference right where we are. And I had this great opportunity. It was just last week, Jeff, from when we're recording this, I just went on a walk because I needed some breathability in my life. And so I went on a walk and, and uh, I used to work a lot with homeless people and people who were poor. And so I just kind of walked with, with my eyes open and my ears open to what was around me purposefully, you know, and there was this, this guy that was sitting on a, on a bench. And so I just, you know, wanted him to know that I saw him. And so I said, Hey, how's it going? And he said, Oh, I'm doing good. And then I just kind of kept walking and I got about five steps forward. And he said, I could use some company though. And my purpose of that walk was just to be present. So I just stopped in my tracks, turned around, sat with him and had not overly meaningful conversations, but just actual conversations with a man who kind of under his breath said that he could use some company. And it 
I don't know how it was for him, but for me, it was the highlight of my day, maybe even my whole week, just to be able to take that time to meet with a total stranger, to talk about life and to, to just be present. And so I think if we can be intentional, it absolutely can, can be a, a game changer. I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's an amazing story. I had, I had alluded to a little bit before this, the idea of loving your neighbor. And when the Bible talks about loving God and loving your neighbor, when Jesus says that, most of the writers of the New Testament no longer allude to the loving God part. They key in on the loving your neighbor part. It's almost as if the loving God thing is a foregone conclusion. And so it's more our focus, or maybe it's that we we focus on loving God by loving one another. But how does gratitude lead into love that isn't just this hypothetical, but how can it be a practical type of love that directly affects our neighbor? Yeah, I recently heard that an enemy is where empathy ends. Once we can no longer relate to another person, once we're unable to see their intrinsic, infinite, unsurpassable worth, we're no longer able to love them. Because loving them is seeing their worth. And in that Bible verse where Jesus says the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself, it's important to note that even our perceived enemies are also our neighbors. And so I'd like to share one last poem with you today that possibly sheds a new way for us to look at our neighbors. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Tis easier said than done. For we're also told to above all else, Look out for number one. Society tells us one thing, while Jesus tells us another. So what are we to do? Follow the masses or love each other? What if we were to love our neighbors as ourselves? What would that mean? A lot of things would have to change, starting with how strangers are seen. For neighbors consists of more than just the people who live next door. It includes those we choose not to see, those we normally ignore. A neighbor is anyone you know of in any way in need, which should be everyone. So how in the world are we to proceed? To love everyone as yourself, you need to be intentional. Every day, in every way, go beyond what's unconventional. Be like Jesus. See each person as a beautiful creation. Seek the Spirit's help and use your limitless imagination. To show the same love for yourself to the entire human race, from now on, picture a mirror in place of every person's face. That is lovely. And it also keys in, I mean, we're spending a lot of time on the great commandment today, but it also keys in on the idea that Jesus says that we're to love others as we love ourselves, right? And so there is a sense that if we can't get to a space of understanding and loving kind of the truest form of ourselves, that we can't actually love others very well at all. So in order to love others, we have to love ourselves which I think, you know, circles all the way back to gratitude that it's difficult to love ourselves if we can't be grateful for the space that we're in right now. Very well said. Jeff, you had mentioned that you are on the spectrum and that is also a group of people that tends to be generalized. Can you just speak a little bit to what it's been like to live your life that way? Maybe how people have treated you, but also how you've I don't even want to say overcome, how you've made the most of who you are, because it's not necessarily a negative. That's such a great question, because I think it's so incredibly important that society starts to destigmatize being on the spectrum. So I think Asperger's is not a disability, it's just a different ability. 
I didn't even realize I was on the spectrum until six years ago when I was diagnosed after having extreme communication issues with my wife. And what ended up happening was her best friend has a husband who's on the spectrum. And when she talked with her friend about it, her friend said, it kind of sounds like you might be on the spectrum because there was just things that didn't connect with me or I'd be told one thing and it would totally just leave my mind. And I didn't understand why. And for most of my life, I've struggled to connect with people. And for most of my life, I didn't understand why. But once that diagnosis was there, it all made sense. And I like to compare it to a computer software system. So you and I both are computers. We look alike, but I'm running on a very different software system than you are. And so I think very differently. And I found that unless you're able to first connect with yourself, you're not going to be able to connect with others. And I've actually written a poem designed to destigmatize being on the spectrum. And I found that it's not only helping me to connect with myself, it's actually helping me connect with others. And so I'd like to share with you. It's titled A Beautiful Spectrum. I don't literally take things, but I take things literally. Though I'm fully functional, I still struggle considerably. Words get stuck off the tip of my tongue, ceaselessly just out of reach, imprisoning me in some type of figure of freedom of speech. Nonverbal cues are many times missed or deplorably misread. How can two communicate when one can't translate what's being said? Therein lies the question that altogether needed to be asked, for the solution can't be found until the problem is unmasked. Here it is. I have Asperger's. But what exactly does that mean? I work well with a plan in place, structure, systems, rules, and routine. With effort and expected delays, there's not much I can't convey. But be patient. I'm not naturally wired to work that way. My condition affects everyone I know and love, not just me, which is why clarifying questions must be asked regularly. With its so many strengths, I will not consider this a weakness. Those who do turn a blind eye to the beauty of our uniqueness. In this world where hope sometimes is so difficult to see in the midst of the chaos, where is it in your life, whether that's your family, your profession, yourself, where is it that you find hope in your life and in this world right now? What gives me the most hope is recognizing how empowered we are. We get to decide what we believe. We get to decide how we spend our time. And one of the things I recommend to everyone at the end of the day is asking themselves two questions. How did I show up today? And more importantly, how will I show up tomorrow? And decide to choose welcomed anticipation rather than anxious avoidance. Welcomed anticipation. I see hope all over the place because I'm looking for it. And so if you choose to look for it, you will see it too. Well, I hope you all come away from this episode feeling more grateful and more excited about the journey ahead. Special thanks to Jeff Tressy for joining me today. If you would like to learn more about what he's got going on, just go to his website at jefftressy.com. That's J-E-F-F. T-E-R-E-S-I.com. We'll obviously have a direct link in the show notes. To support this show, of course, you can subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. Until next time, 